they announced this report. It came out last month, you know, in, in May 2021. It's basically a plan for like the kind of austerity that would have been proposed back in like the 1980s and 1990s, like major, mm -hmm. major cuts to public spending, privatizations, attacks on public sector workers, you know, the kind of things that you completely expect. And that has been kind of the playbook for a while now. I think most people have like arrived at this moment. Like, I feel like even a lot of economists are saying this now where like they realize that this is not the way that you deal with a province or a government or a jurisdiction, whatever, that's dealing with economic troubles and, and budgetary issues and whatever. But of course, we're mm -hmm. just going to rerun this playbook because that is a way for the wealthy interests in this province to extract more gains um, at the expense of, you know, the local population. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's interesting to me, right, is as you, as you say, the last couple of years has seen a kind of, especially the experience of COVID, has basically seen not neoliberalism itself, but certainly this application of it pretty much discredited. And it has either fallen out of use um, because, you know, like, let's say in Britain, for example, the government has moved on to patronage, which is different. It involves investment and expenditure just politically targeted. You know, in, in the US, there has been Again, it varies state by state. But again, there has been, again, has there been a move beyond neoliberalism? No, but there is, there has been a realization that the household budget that needs to stop spending analogy just doesn't work. Well, Riley, they're solving the problem by having BlackRock take care of the affordable housing issue. <laughs> well, yeah, no, you don't, you don't want to waste your time owning a house. Let BlackRock yeah. do it. <laughs> and what I'm curious about, what I don't, I still don't fully have wrapped my head around though, is, why? I mean, we know why now it's connected to things like COVID spending. We know it's connected to the failure of this of the Muskrat Falls project, which requires its own whole episode, mm -hmm. uh, causing a big hole in the province's finances. But wouldn't they already have done something like this? Because there has been this neoliberal orthodoxy for so long, and Newfoundland has never exactly been Switzerland. So, like, are they doing it more? What is there left to cut? So that's a serious issue, right? Because Newfoundland and Labrador has kind of gone through this process over like a number of decades where there are always these budgetary crises. Um, and then, you know, we need to cut spending, we need to cut services, we need to um, cut the wages and benefits of public sector workers in order to deal with these budgetary issues. This happens like every time the liberals and the PCs kind of flip and one of them gets elected again and they go through this whole process um, over and over. The interesting thing in this case is that there's this discussion now that Newfoundland and Labrador is in this kind of situation that it can never come back from. And a big mm -hmm. justification of that is the Muskrat Falls project and the debt that has been accumulated from that. And, you know, just to briefly recap for the listeners, that's a major mm -hmm. hydro development project in Labrador. You know, the deal was signed for that in 2010. They started building it like a couple of years later or whatever, it was initially like when the deal was signed, supposed to cost around $6 billion. But the actual bill for that looks like it's going to be closer to like over $13 billion. So it's more than doubling cost. Um, and as I said, Newfoundland and Labrador is a very small province. It's half a million people just over that. Um, and so that's mm -hmm. a lot of money for the small population that we have to shoulder, right? Especially the increase on what was there before. And so the concern then is that we need to deal with this debt that has been accumulated like we already have all this mm -hmm. debt from from spending in the past um and now there's this new kind of um debt that we're going to have to pay that is coming online soon and so 
Mm-hmm. The argument from these people who say that we need this big reset, that we need this green report, is that we need to kind of address the situation and start paying down this debt before it becomes too late for us to really deal with these things. But what that misses mm-hmm. is that Newfoundland and Labrador has already been under austerity for mm-hmm. a number of years now. Yeah. Spending has been level for a number of years. Um, Russell Williams, who's a professor at Memorial University, the, the local university here, you know, pointed this out recently. And so now the argument is that, you know, we need to cut that even further. But it's difficult because I feel like the economic situation is being vastly overplayed to justify mm-hmm. the cuts that they're saying that we need to do. Right. The, the provincial budget was released uh, last week, like early June, and it showed that the financial situation of the province is actually much better than what the Green Report, mm-hmm. like the Big Reset Report, assumed it was going to be. So then people were like, so what is the justification for the proposal for all these cuts if like even without them, we're kind of presumed to not actually have a very bad budget and kind of return to, you know, not having a deficit anymore in a few years anyway. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, it seems like a very political project, not one that's actually motivated by economics or finances. I'm sure we'll get into it uh, later, but just going through your writing and, and Drew's writing on this report, it seems like when Green is pressed on the economic feasibility of some of the points of this plan, she and her staff have either never thought of whatever question is being asked of them or don't mm-hmm. know the answer to it. And her track record is one of unpleasant Great. failure. <laughs> so it's it's just I'm... <laughs> I, a lot of this was new to me, so I, I was really trying to wrap my head around um, why someone whose policies have been disastrous in some cases and very unpopular in most cases was asked to do this. <laughs> you know, I mean, if I could hazard a guess, it would be that once you are in that rarefied sphere of a serious technocrat, you can never fail. Yeah. You can know you can only fail by one way. You can fail by not doing your actual job which is you can fail by, say, making it harder to exploit workers or uh, the resources of the world. You, you could fail by uh, not creating a union boss-shaped bump in the, in the highway to the capital. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, for, just for example, right, when you want to justify harsh austerity, in 2008 and so on, it was our deficit is running out of control. We can't afford to pay for all these bailouts. In the 1990s, there was, there was a big part of the national debts going crazy. And, you know, at that point, interest rates were quite... By the way, interest rates right now, if you look at, at uh, Newfoundland and Labrador, so I, I kept saying just the first one because I think a lot of people in Ontario just have a habit of doing it. I'm going to try to stop yeah, that. And Labradorans really don't like when you do that. So that's why I say both yes. of them. Yeah. <laughs> Newfoundland and Labrador, their debt in the 1990s was being serviced at like a 9.55% interest rate. It doesn't come... That both bonds don't mature until the 2050s. But the debt they're taking out now is like 1%, 2%. The fucking Muskrat Falls thing caused their interest rate to go up by 0.6%. That's their most recent bond issue. It's 2.6%. That's like high by the standard of a major like Anglosphere developed economy, mm-hmm. which is like paying zero or negative, but it's low by the standards of like worrying about like interest rate hawks and working about bond vigilantes. It doesn't make any fucking sense. And it's because it doesn't really matter. Because even like I was saying back in the 90s, half the justification was, well, yeah, we have all this debt we can't afford to pay. But the other half of the justification is, imagine the wondrous things that will be invented. 
if we simply remove the burden of red tape and regulation mm-hmm. and imagine how efficient the DMV will be if we get, you know, uh, Oscar Mayer Wieners to run. Why do they keep <laughs> doing this? It's just, it's like, it never, yeah, it's because fucking, who else are you going to fucking vote never for? Works. It's like the world is going to be Galt's Gulch, Galt's Gulch 2, Galt's Gulch 3. Yeah. <laughs> it's wild though, right? Because there was some concern last year about the province's ability to like take out debt, you know, because of COVID, because things looked really bad, et cetera, et cetera. But in the budget last week, they said, yeah, we don't foresee any issues like accessing debt, which is, you know, what I think you would expect. And provincial debt in Canada is guaranteed by the federal government anyway. Mm-hmm. So like, it's mm-hmm. not really a huge concern. And when the province yeah. did have issues last year, the federal government just stepped in and like helped us out, which is what it does. Yeah. I think what you were saying about the 1990s is also important, though, right? Because what happened in the 1990s, in the early 1990s, when Chrétien and Martin were cutting the federal budget and then downloading the costs of a lot of services onto provinces, naturally, that hit provinces that, you know, will have a tougher time raising their own revenue um, more than, mm-hmm. you know, certain other provinces. A- across the country, it created a situation where provinces were having to pay more to fund the services they were providing to their citizens, to the residents, whatever, at the same time as there was a pressure to cut taxes, right? And so the Mm -hmm. federal budget then looked really, really good because all of this spending had been downloaded to the provinces because the federal contribution to education and to healthcare in particular was cut and moved to the provinces. And so that is also part of the reason why Newfoundland and Labrador is in this situation because of those cuts that happened decades ago and the debt load from that has just been like slowly Mm -hmm. building up as well so i think that's always important to keep in mind when we're discussing these issues about provincial finances 